Greetings, everyone. My name is Raven Sinclair, and uh, I am the guest host for Two Crees in a Pod. And in, in, in recognition of that today, we're calling it Three Crees in a Pod. And uh, I'm just so excited to be here and have this opportunity to interview these two amazing women, scholars, academics, uh, leaders, radical activists, and uh, just amazing human beings. Um, hi, ladies. How are you? Hey. <laughs> we're, we're, we're actually sitting here looking at each other being uh, a little nervous because this is the first time that we've actually ever done anything like this. And I remember uh, back, it would have been in April, I got an email from Raven uh, saying, hey, I have this great idea. <laughs> Why don't you let me interview you and Amber on your podcast? So we've, yeah. we've never done this before. So it is yeah. a little uh, nerve wracking to, you know, we don't know what you're going to ask us or what's going to come <laughs> out of our mouths today. But hey. Well, one of the things that I do uh, when I work with people, and I mean, I think I'm even going to start doing this when I do public speaking is... Uh, just uh, get people to breathe. So let's all take a nice deep breath in and out. There we go. <laughs> Feel free to do that several more times. Yeah, you know, and you know what? It, what really triggered that uh, that message to you was that um, I was driving back from um, every now and then when I'm driving here and there, um, I will listen to uh, two crees in a pod. And I just love them. I encourage people to listen to, you know, to all of them because they, each one is so unique. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I've, I've actually, you know, met, reached out to some of your uh, interviewees and, um, yeah, some of them have just blown me away. Well, not all of them. And then every now and then I listen to ours and just have a good laugh because <laughs> we had a lot of fun in it. But, yeah. you know, and one of the ones I listened to was when you, inter- when you just interviewed each other. Hmm. Hmm. And that was such a nice conversation. And I thought, I, you know, I have some questions. I, I just want to, <laughs> I'd, like, I'd love to do that. And, and, you know, and also have an opportunity to, to engage with you again. Yeah. So it's really great to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Three crees in a pod. Mm. Love it. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go in. <laughs> All right. So I, I have so many questions, um, you know, and. And, you know, sometimes um, we've all been through this pandemic. I, I don't know when you, when was the last time you did a podcast? That would have been in the uh, springtime. In the spring. So, so you took a little break. hiatus. Yeah, we took a summer break. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, you've been busy with it. Um, and, you know, I sort of have this sense that we're post-pandemic, but that could be wishful thinking because, of course, I mean, I just had Omicron. Have have either of you come down with uh, with COVID? Yes. Both of you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think got, I got it first. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Yeah. I got my, I, um, I had Omicron in January, uh, both me and my youngest. Uh, had it and then my oldest got it later and it impacted a trip that Terry and I were supposed to be going on which hurt my feelings that I couldn't go on the trip and then Terry got it afterwards how long after did you get yours you know I actually think I got I we spread it at my birthday so it was March 31st and we Your went birthday out. was a super spreader yeah because there was I think three or four of us that ended up contracting it after yeah. and that was and so I screwed up another trip that Amber and I were supposed to go on that Tuesday and I found out Sunday Sunday yeah. after yeah, that's that, right. I, that I had uh, gotten and, it, so. and one of the things about Omicron um, is that people have um, like sinus and and like ear issues mm-hmm. so it's really not great for flying mm-hmm. <laughs> no have, uh, blocked you station tubes it's it's no good yeah. So I had it at the beginning of the month and I, I came back from Northwest Territories with it. And uh, I'm sure I've passed it on to a few people, but yeah, it really knocked me out. Mm. And so um, what's it been like for the two of you to um, 
to deal with the pandemic? In terms of your work, in terms of, I don't think it's changed your podcast too much, has it? But in terms of your work, like, what was the experience like for you? Truthfully, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, always truthfully. People, people want the you know all the juicy details. Well, and I'll, I'll just give you a sort of my when when we first went into lockdown, I um, went through about two weeks um, of really feeling destabilized mm-hmm. yeah. because so much of my work is um, you know like teaching in front of students and then public speaking and you know working with research groups and that's traveling all over the place. In the year before the pandemic, I traveled 26 times, Jeez. 26 flights. And um, so I, I went into a little bit of a, a depression, I think, because mm-hmm. I had to sort of reevaluate who am I when I'm not a public figure, you know, or engage mm-hmm. with the public all the time. And so what about the two of you, Terry? Yeah, <clears throat> you know, I think that... <laughs> Initially, there was there's there was quite a bit of a shock. I think after the first two weeks, uh, really struggling with um, an unknown whether you know when were we going to go back to work, what were things going to look like, and it was during those two weeks as well that Amber and I had the conversation about this podcast, and she she messaged me one night uh, with this idea. And so it was a way for us to journey into something together during COVID um, and a way to stay connected to community and, and to social work students. And it just grew from that. I think that, you know, there was... Now you're famous. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that like it's, it's, you know, I think about, you know, the last couple of years and just many of the, the learnings that I've had. Um, I'm now in a new role uh, for one year where I am working with Blue Pools University um, as in the wow. Indian Residential School project. Um, and so congratulations. I'm, thank you. And so That's I left great. I left McEwen for for one year. I'm on a one year leave and I came back uh, with very much a sense of returning back to my community and doing work back here. And and Amber and I have um, our fathers both attended this school. And so there is oh, that wow. responsibility, um, in my yeah. sense, to to come home and do some work here. The other piece that I was doing when I, when COVID hit was I was meditating. And I think that like when we I found that I was getting a little anxious and stressed again of the unknown that I started to really dive into meditation and I couldn't mm-hmm. find indigenous meditations and specifically, you know, within Treaty 6 territory or within the language. And so we uh, mm-hmm. partnered up with Dr. Darlene Oje and created the first uh, Cree meditation album during COVID. Um, and that was released. Wow. And we had a number of community artists join us on that album. And it involves song. It involves um, some breath work, uh, some prayer, um, and different guided imagery um, meditations in that. And so we are just wrapping up album two, which was... Is there anything that you two don't do? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm going to have to get a copy of that. How can people access that? So the album is free. You can find it on any music platform. And if you just Google Cree meditation album for the first album, you'll be able to find that on Apple, Spotify, uh, pretty much anywhere. And it's, it's free. And that was, yeah. that was the hope that when we looked at doing this, that it was accessible to our communities. Mm. And so we do yeah. have album two that will be released this fall. Um, and there was a really cool project on that, that, um, Amber had approached me and written a piece for her late dad who passed away last year. And, uh, the piece was titled to my father and she wrote this and asked me if I would read this on the meditation album. And I swear I could not read it without crying. And I tried Mm -hmm. multiple times and one of the the ideas that came was that I actually invited my dad to the recording studio to say a Cree prayer that would hopefully back be the back sound of um, mm-hmm. me saying the spoken word. And mm-hmm. um, I added I added to Amber's piece, and it all changed in the recording studio. And 
what happened was that my dad uh, and I sat in the recording studio and I read it to him, to my father, this, this spoken piece, and I cried because it, mm-hmm. it's not just relevant between Amber and her father. Like I added some personal pieces in there as well, and it was very relevant for children of IRS survivors and children to their parents. And um, it talked about love. And then my father responded to me in Cree. And, you know, in the, in the first sentence, he talked about how it was me that taught him love. And, mm-hmm. oh, it was so emotional. But I think about, you know, the reach that we'll have to our, yeah. to our families and to our children and to our communities and how powerful that was. So that was something yeah. really beautiful. That yeah. And I were able to <clears throat> Excuse me. What what comes up for me is um is uh that it it will evoke uh, tears of healing mm-hmm. because because grief is something that uh, that we you know we have the luxury of of you know examining embracing befriending that you know our ancestors didn't necessarily and so uh, I'm already grateful for it and feeling some some emotion. Amber, what was that like? I'm sorry about your dad. Thank you. It's, it's so hard to lose. It's so hard to lose our parents, our, our beloved parents. Yeah. 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 I think that um, uh, you know, back to your original question, and it ties into this is, you know, when we had, you know, experienced, you know, this this lockdown and this this you know state of being in isolation or further isolation for many of us. And uh, I had lost my sister just before everything got shut down. So my sister passed away and then uh, my dad passed away last year. So I've had two pretty significant losses within the last you know, couple of years. And so mm-hmm. I think that uh, that complicated a lot of, you know, the, the pandemic and, you know, resources uh, and, you know, going to ceremony or, you know, just all of those different things. And so... I think that, you know, a lot of us who have experienced, you know, loss throughout the pandemic have uh, been impacted in a very kind of complex layered kind of way, which mm-hmm. again, complicates uh, grief. Um, but I remember like <laughs> after my dad had passed away, there was a lot of things. I, I remember watching my dad pass away and my dad passed away in the most, oh my gosh, the way he, he decided the, the agreement that him and creator had was beautiful. And, you know, we had four days with him in palliative care and each day, you know, he uh, made his journey and uh, we're so thankful that even during that, you know, that time of where COVID numbers were dropping a bit uh, that we were still able to have that time with him. And so my mom never left his side and, uh, and then family would come in and, and visit every day. And we knew that it was, he was making his transition. And in those four days, I remember watching my dad pass. And actually at one point I remember sitting with him, I was sitting on the bedside and I was holding his hand and, you know, we were, I was talking to him and, you know, um, I would bring um, my rattle every day. And he, I would ask him to hold it. And he would randomly give it a shake when I was talking. And, and uh, I remember looking at him and thinking, I've never seen my dad this peaceful in my entire life. And the peace that he had Pat, in his transition is the peace that I want in my daily life. And I was a bit jealous you know, a, a bit, you know, and I don't know if jealous is the right word, but I, I looked at him and I thought, man, this is the kind of peace I want. I want to live this peace, you know, the peace that my, my father is experiencing here. And, um, you know, and, and so after he, he made his transition and uh, we said our see you laters, um, I thought a lot about, you know, what are some of the things that uh, you know, I did get a chance to say to my dad, I'm very lucky. I had an opportunity to sit with him and talk to him and tell him things like, I forgive you. Mm-hmm. You know, I forgive you for the ways that you were unable to uh, nurture me as a child. I forgive you for A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And I'm really thankful that I had those opportunities. Uh, and I had those conversations with my dad, you know, before he, you know, went into long-term mm-hmm. care and his health declined. But in this piece specifically, I... Um, 
I started thinking about, you know, the, the anger or the uh, resentment that I may have had as a child or that I know I had as a, as a young person when I used to, or the jealousy or whatever emotion had come up for me at those times where I would see other families interact with their parents in a very, uh, in, in a way where they were hugging one another, where they were saying, I love you, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, not understanding it in, in my younger years, why that wasn't happening with my father. And, uh, and then coming to know as, as I got older and doing that work and understanding that. Um, but this piece specifically, I wanted to tell my dad, you know, again, um, that his, the inability that he had to tell me that he loved me was not his fault. And that that language of love was taken from him, brutally taken from him. And that wasn't his fault. And mm. the other piece of it is, and you'll hear it eventually, the other piece of it is that oftentimes we, um, we think of, you know, how do we demonstrate love to another person? Uh, and oftentimes it's through the words of, I love you. Uh, when really love is demonstrated through action. And so I talk about in this piece, uh, I know my dad loved me when. And I wrote out pieces of times when I was a little girl watching him skin a rabbit, you know, and I'm like, oh my God, you're the coolest guy I've ever seen in my life. And here you are teaching me this. And that's when I know you loved me. And it's in those teachings that he provided in taking care of myself in the land uh, you know, by the water, that that's when I know that my dad loved, I know my dad loves me. And I know he does through those things. And so I, I think that one of the main pieces of writing that, or one of the main intentions of writing that was, again, you know, for my own healing work, uh, but also for us to think about how do we know we were loved uh, sometimes um, in, and maybe we weren't always told I love you, but how do we know we've been loved? How do we know we've experienced love? Because love, because we know that, again, that first teaching is that's why we're born into this world is to experience love. And so uh, that piece is, it's multi-layered and I'm so thankful I literally wrote it. And I said, here, Terry, I can't do this. Can you do it for me? <laughs> <laughs> Terry does you, things you, for me. So <laughs> You were pretty certain that the tears would flow? Oh, I knew yeah. there was, and, and what I also love is that because I, I knew I couldn't do it. Look at what happened with Terry and her dad, you know, I know. It, it opened I know. up something else. And isn't, isn't that amazing? Like we're just amazing people. <laughs> <laughs> we're so awesome. We are. we are. What I remember is, um, so my adopted mother passed away, um, about four years ago, I, I think 2018. And, um, no, she wasn't the greatest. She wasn't the mother I needed. Um, mm. You know, she was kind of mean and a little bit wicked and twisted. And and she sort of stayed that way. Um, but at some point, you know, in the last decade, I, I realized that she had also lost the language of love. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that she did love me. And I would, I would see it in moments. So I'm actually going to do that exercise that you did. Just you know, the ways that I, I knew she loved me. Because in retrospect, um, I, I know that she loved me. And I made a really clear decision that I was going to look upon her with love. I was going to treat her the way that I wanted her to treat me. And so every time I saw mm -hmm. her and she was getting older and frailer, I'd hug her and I'd say, I love you, mom. Mm -hmm. And you were a good mom. You did the best you could. And, and I really, you know, I believed it. And, and she just would glow. She would just glow with with like this, this sort of contentment. Um, and I, I don't think that she experienced a lot of that really, you know, that the kind and tender words and, uh, and that sort of broke my heart, but I really, I really understand what you talk about when you say you were a little bit like envious of that, that piece. And my mother, it wasn't that peaceful, but in, in the end and the moment that she did pass, it was just, it was the most powerful thing I think I've, I've ever experienced because you know, it's like the veil opens and, and if we're really, yeah. if we're there, we get a chance to experience that energy and the light and, mm. and it was really, really beautiful. Um, but what really amazes me is, is how the two of you, what you did during the pandemic, it's like you, 
You didn't get all morose like me. I mean, I did smarten up after a couple of weeks. I cried a few times like, ooh, poor me. And then, I, and then I laughed at myself and got on with business, right? And then I really appreciated not traveling and just, just being at home, spending time with my daughter and just, you know, nurturing her and caring for her the best that I can. And, uh, but what you two did was, was go into creative mode. I didn't realize that the podcast came out of, out of really out of the pandemic, and now look what you've done is you've created something that is really uh, timely and necessary because, um, you know, we can do lots of healing work. And, um, you know, I always sort of, I'm a little skeptical when I hear, when I hear, oh, I've done my healing work and I'm all better now. Don't ask me questions. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, I see a little green music. Red flag. <laughs> Red flags. <laughs> yeah, and the ways and the ways that we can the ways that we can do that, I think, are uh, we need those tools and those strategies for remembering remembering our ways of grieving and yeah. Um, yeah and so if it's, I, I'm really excited to hear this and uh, yeah, when's it coming out? The second album will be coming out for the meditation album or the the one with the story. The, yes, so that's in the first one. So with this, with so that's the, the second one. Okay. So it's the second one, and that one we're just wrapping it up, and so the aim date is actually September thirtieth to release it. Hey, that's my birthday. Oh, is it? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Me and Cindy Blackstock and Marie Batiste. Wow. <laughs> oh, you all have the same birthday. We do. Very cool. Look at you. I know. Cool. <laughs> so what are you? What are you up to now? The two of you. <laughs> Where do we even start? We're trying to get oh, our shit together. We're trying to get our shit together. <laughs> We've had a crazy summer of traveling and just craziness. We've taken some adventures together and and literally. Now, was that vacation or was that where the was that invitations here and there because of the podcast and your fame? Vacation. Okay. Yeah, vacation. Yeah. So it's been. Oh, good. It's been busy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, so what? Uh, how how has your how have how has how have your lives changed because of this podcast, Amber? It, it's funny because, um, and Terry has a few <laughs> of these stories too. Like I've been in places, and uh, I've had people come up to me and say, "Wait a second, you're you're Amber, like from Two Crees and a Pod, Amber." And I'm like, "Yeah." You're you know, one of the crees in the pod? It's odd. It's odd. I remember I was at, um, there was a massive um, uh, Indigenous market that happens here in Edmonton. And um, one of our friends, Amberly, uh, you know, somehow does this incredible job of organizing this huge Indigenous market. And, and I am a huge fan of Jay Shine uh, and her artwork and her beading and her earrings and et cetera. And so there's this huge line to get to her, her booth. And um, I go up and I'm just looking, like there's people in line to buy things. And I go up and I'm looking and I'm looking at her. She's looking at me and I'm like, hey, how's it going? And uh, she's like, are you uh, two crees in a pot? <laughs> and I looked at her and I'm like, yeah. And she's like, oh my God. And so she like stopped talking to like the Monial people that she was helping <laughs> and she like completely ignored them. Like she literally ignored them and she like, it was funny. And her, the front of her, the line. Part, her partner was like, oh my God, I even recognize your voice. Like she listens to you when she's like crafting and beating. And it was, it was really beautiful to hear that because this is someone that I admire. Yeah. And this is someone who I look up to, you know, and, and her work inspires me and, uh, and to hear, you know, that exchange, I think was really, really neat. Um, and so, I mean, Terry, I don't know, we, me and you haven't gotten any like free, free flights or anything yet, but you <laughs> Terry, know, I'm sure, that, I'm much. sure you've gotten something. <laughs> <laughs> have you been invited, have you been invited places to visit and share your story, Terry? Yeah, um, we have been, you know, part of another thing that Amber and I do is we offer a full day uh, Neheo trauma-informed practice training. And that came um, at the beginning of the pandemic as well. And um, bringing our research together 
um, and understanding trauma within our communities, we created this. And so we started offering that during COVID <clears throat> online. And, and so that's kind of tied into kind of everything. I think that like there's multiple things that we do, um, but we have been invited to come out and, and, um, and speak at different, different events and in mm-hmm. community online, most, you know, throughout COVID, of course. Um, so it's been really cool. And I think that, you know, when I think about the podcast, I think about how fortunate I've been in just learning from the people like you, Raven, uh, who've come on the podcast. I don't think we ever really um, knew. We didn't know. We still don't know what we're doing. <laughs> we didn't really know what we were doing when we started. Uh, yeah. Figured it out uh, on our own and just went with it and really wanted to make sure that we were having these very open, organic conversations with folks. And we've been so honored to sit with people and hear their stories mm-hmm. and learn from them. So it's been amazing. Yeah, it's funny it's- you say that about Raven, because I remember when we were like, me and Terry would sit there and we're like, ooh, who do we want to talk to? <laughs> yeah. And we would like, we were, and we would be like, ooh. And we would sit there and be like, oh, you know, we need to talk to this person. And I remember when we like, we were like, we need to talk to Raven. And we're like, do you think Raven would talk? Like, do you think Raven would talk to us? And so we have these like, we have these like fan. We still have fangirl moments, yeah. right? Where we, are, when we like, when we had someone like yourself, Raven. When we had, you know, Dr. Cindy Blackstock. When we had, you know, people like Dr. Michael Yellowbird. You know, we have we had all these amazing conversations, and that's just to name a few. Um, everyone that we've interviewed, we've been like, oh, we're so lucky. Mm-hmm. We are so lucky and blessed. To have people, our people, you know, when we have asked them, you know, would you be part of our podcast? And they have, without hesitation, you know, said, of course, yeah, when? Let's do this, you know? And so we are so blessed, you know, to to have the opportunities that we have. And like Terry said, you know, um, as, as you know, on our podcast, like Terry and I speak minimally. We, we try to keep our, uh, our thoughts, um, you know, not to a minimum, but we want to definitely hear from people like yourself. And so, again, remembering that, like, when when we had you join us, we were like, oh, my God, Raven Sinclair is coming on our podcast. Like, it was, it, it definitely is. Not true. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we were so, we were so thankful. And again, like, because your work, Raven, and we talked about this on the podcast with you, your work has inspired Terry and I, mm-hmm. you know, and when you're, you know, someone who's struggling through your graduate or your undergraduate degrees and you are reading inspiring work from someone like yourself that keeps us in school that keeps us going I remember reading your work and being like f yeah I was well I can't this is our podcast I can swear <laughs> fuck yeah you know like <laughs> fuck yeah but I remember reading it and being like you know like this is this is this is why I want to do what I do and so, again, I want to extend, you know, mm-hmm. Terry and I both, you know, extending a thank you to you for, you know, the relentlessness, you know, that you have had and, and you know, the battles that you've had to fight to ensure that Terry and I can come into these spaces and maybe not fight quite as hard, you know, because of some mm-hmm. of the battles that you fought for us. And so thank you for, you know, for joining us again. You know, it's, it's, it's lovely. Well, thanks. And, you know, um, what comes to my mind is that when, because you're both so real and so humble and it's like, I love that. I love that, um, you know, because now you're getting famous, but you're not like, oh, I'm all famous and so I'm going to go and get my Louis Vuitton bag and stuff like that, right? <laughs> Holy, <laughs> real expensive. <laughs> but, it, and I think, you know, my sense is that when we're guided and we listen and and, you know, I'm, proud to say that the older I get the better I listen and it's not just with my ears right it's to spirit and I and I go where I'm taken and you know reaching out to you to do this particular podcast is just part of that it's like it's like a an an inspiration hits or I hear a voice that says hey you know do this thing and so then I do it and uh, and when it all falls into place it's like it's like a piece of the puzzle coming together and being complete and um and I think that it also, when we do this kind of work and you're trauma-informed, and now I'm totally excited about that too. <laughs> I want to know more about it. But when we do this work from spirit mm. 
And uh, it, it triggers, it's like it invokes that ethic of reciprocity. Just, just, it just, because it just exists, mm-hmm. it's natural law, right? Yeah. And so we do end up getting, um, we do end up sort of getting blessed because of it. And I don't know that, that I can't really remember a class I've taught or a presentation I've done or a talk I've done where I haven't gotten equal sort of energy and inspiration and teachings and knowledge back from, mm-hmm. from whomever it is. And so, uh, you know, the fact that, that we recognize that I think is really, really critical mm-hmm. to, to our growth, our maturity, our development. And, and, uh, cause gratitude is such an important place to be, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. It is. Mm-hmm. So you talk about, you talk about humility and, uh, you know, when, when we, um, when you said that, you know, we're not out there buying Louis Vuitton bags, I currently have my phone propped up on a box of Kraft Dinner. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> wow, well, that's like a staple, right? There it is. Baby. <laughs> can I, you can take the girl out of the reds. You can't take the reds out of the girl, though. <laughs> It's it's a sacred food. <laughs> it is. I ate some today too. <laughs> I love it. Um, tell me about your trauma-informed work. Sure. Um, like Terry had mentioned, uh, we uh, we actually piloted uh, our first session at uh, I think Indigenous conference. Again, this was just before everything was shut down. I actually think that okay. during the conference. Yeah, uh, I think everyone was being sent home, and um, and so Terry and I were lucky enough to have an opportunity to pilot um, this this course or this workshop or this training, and uh, we got some really great reviews uh, at that time. We got really good feedback, and so we um, took it a lot more. Not that we weren't serious about it before, but we looked into it a bit more and did more research. And so it kind of combines our two our two research. And so uh, in my graduate studies, I uh, really looked at how um, childhood trauma can impact our brains and mm-hmm. looking at kind of, I didn't go really deep into the neuroscience, but really looking at some of that, you know, that work uh, that people like Dr. Bruce Perry have produced, uh, people like Dr. Gabor Mate, and really looking at what happens in our brains when we have experienced trauma. And then also linking that to uh, addictions and mental health. And that was, you know, predominantly my research area. And then Terry's research, of course, which I'll let her talk about, really fit nicely into, or both of our research really fit nicely into understanding or helping um, our communities understand trauma-informed practices and understanding of trauma, but also understanding how, uh, what this might look like in our communities uh, from Mm -hmm. our perspective, from who we are as Nehiawak, for example, or as Indigenous peoples, and uh, and really taking taking that approach uh, because, you know, we can do trauma-informed trainings all over the place, uh, but Mm -hmm. oftentimes they are not founded or rooted in uh, our own understanding and also how do we uh, how do we practice uh, from a trauma-informed place what does it mean to be trauma-informed forward was it what does it mean to you know uh, practice from that empathic or compassionate lens mm-hmm. and uh, and so that's really uh, I think we were inspired to do it um, predominantly because of and I, I mentioned this to Terry at that time around how when I'm teaching in the classroom, and I mentioned before, like my students are very diverse, uh, but I don't have a huge amount of Indigenous students in my classroom. Uh, regardless of that, I have students coming into my classroom who have stories mm-hmm. and oftentimes have trauma stories. Yep. And uh, so when I'm talking about very tender topics or sensitive topics, I have to be very mindful mm-hmm. of the emotional climate in the space. And I have to be very mindful about pausing when I need to pause Mm -hmm. and around checking in. And, uh, you know, I, I have adopted definitely a very trauma informed teaching style. And, um, so when Terry and I have talked about this, you know, we really initially wanted to focus on education and Mm -hmm. focusing on trauma informed classrooms and trauma informed spaces in schools. Uh, but again, it's taken us 
everywhere. Like it's taken us to frontline social workers. It's taken us to, um, oh my gosh, um, government. Uh, there's been some leadership in First Nations communities that have also asked for this. And so um, we're very lucky, uh, again, to have been invited out to, to the communities and to be trusted doing this work. Mm-hmm. That, that could, has the potential to keep you even busier. Yeah. <laughs> Terry, tell me some of the, um, like, um, in what ways do you sort of like engage your, uh, your participants in this training? Do you do the meditation? Yeah. So like, so we, I was just going to mention and add to that, like one of the other, um, the other groups that we are reaching out to now is physicians. So with AHS going and doing uh, trauma-informed training with physicians specifically this fall. Um, but when we were looking at uh, the the layout of the full day, uh, definitely meditation is a big part of that. And so we start in that space. And if we need to and require it throughout, we will use it throughout. Because again, I think one of the things we recognize is that with each group, depending on the group and the focus of it, we would tailor the training. Um, and so it was always different. And it was always different because mm. through our training, we share stories. And oftentimes it goes back to our relationships with our dads too, um, and the stories that we have from our own childhood. So ensuring that we are teaching from that lens through stories. Uh, My graduate studies, my research was around ceremony as healing. And so we're really Mm -hmm. focused on ceremony and I was doing some of that work. I was looking at um, trauma specifically in my graduate degree. And I wanted to understand trauma from the language. And so I started sitting with language speakers and asking them to uh, share with me uh, what trauma would be translated to. And obviously there was there was different responses, but then dissecting and deconstructing the language of understanding that. And it was beautiful because I think that, you know, every single time as I did this uh, and I had these conversations with language speakers, we understood that the root of trauma um, really impacts our spirit. And, you know, it's not just this physical, emotional, mental, but it's a really big impact to our spirit. And as Indigenous people being spiritual people, what are we doing in our, our practice that is addressing spirit? Which is such a, you know, and we think about how it, it's missed a lot within our Western education systems. And so the focus of really understanding how are we then um, looking at being more trauma-informed within our communities, which experience complex trauma, right? These these layers yeah. of trauma and these layers of loss that we experience. And so it's been um, with our training, again, we, we go through a full day and it's different with each group, but we definitely incorporate um, some activities, some strategies, and really oftentimes I think that people will come in and they share their expectations with us and it's like how do we work with you know children or how do we work with our husbands (laughs) tell us how to work with the relationships or what have you right and so Mm -hmm. I think that one of the things is that um, the focus of this is how you work with yourself Mm -hmm. because there's a piece in our training where it's like when my shit meets your shit and so how are we responding to the shit? And there's a fan around. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a problem. <laughs> exactly. And so it's been, it's been, that has been a really um, amazing experience too that we've, we've been able to journey on through, through the last couple of years together. And it just grows. It grows. And yeah. I think that yeah. we learn so much from the people that we are sitting with and sharing space with yeah. that uh, our sessions just, it's just, yeah, it's growing for sure, and it's really yeah. beautiful. You articulated something really, really important, and that is uh, the spirit piece. Mm. Because my, and, and, and of course, you know, as an academic, it's like that, that academic brain says, oh, you got to publish this. you got to write about this right. and publish it um, to put it out there. And, uh, you know, I know there's only so many hours in a day, <laughs> but um, I, I do similar work, and... Uh, and I realized that even even just public speaking is also its ceremony and its and its healing work. Mm. Um, but there's that spirit is is seems to me is is one place. It's a juncture where that really illustrates sort of the clashing worldviews. 
because um, it's, it's something that, you know, that I have practiced for a very long time. And, but, I, but I don't articulate it because uh, it would be challenging to articulate it, you know, how spirit operates in the different works that I do. Just one example. So you said that you have been affected by some of the work that I've done and, you know, some of the things that I've published. That, that's really kind of lonely work and a little bit, you know, boring and challenging at times because, you know, you're just sitting there typing away at your desk in solitude and then five, six years later, people come and say, how are your work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've kind of forgotten about it and moved on. <laughs> but sometimes when I look at those pieces, they were spirit driven. Mm-hmm. It's like the need is there mm-hmm. and, I, and I just responded. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, that's just the beautiful thing about, I think, the collective work that we do. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so I'm going to ask you a question that's, that's a, a sort of an interesting one. And that is, um, sometimes I don't actually know an agenda till like the moment I'm there. And because I've taught for a long time and I have, you know, lots of sort of resources, uh, you know, material ones, and then like in my brain, <laughs> then I can adapt to the moment. Uh-huh. And that feels a little bit scary sometimes because mm-hmm. like, and then other times if I'm going to do a talk, it's like I, the energy of the audience comes to me in advance. And so then, mm-hmm. it, then it's like, okay, I, I get, it's like I get messages around what I'm supposed to say. And sometimes it's just like I'm a conduit. And mm-hmm. so how, how do you, how do you both sort of hear that? And are there times when you do this work where you just, have to change things up at the last minute or yeah all the time (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) we're we're all we're all on the same boat raven (laughs) and it's funny because terry and i joke um you know with each other sometimes because we'll be meeting you know like you know let's say we have we're going to do a keynote for example or we're going to go and talk to a group or, you know, sit with a group or whatever. And Terry and I will get together and we start visiting and, you know, and we'll start visiting with one another about our stuff, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, and then 10 minutes before we have to be on the keynote or the zoom, we're like, Hey, wait, what, what, what are we doing? And, and again, we get a little distracted. Um, and, and, you know, and it's interesting because it's interesting you say that because I think that, um, and, and Terry and I ta- have talked about this around, and we both have been looking and really diving deeper into the, um, the power and the healing in story work mm-hmm. and how pa- just absolutely powerful stories are. And, you know, Terry and I have both, you know, used this, uh, some of the other work that's been done, obviously, some of the other research, you know, I, I, I love Kim Anderson's work uh, and, and many others, um, and um, you know, when we hear stories within a, in a session or a keynote, or Terry and I will tell a story when we're in a session, and then we'll look at each other and be like, "I've never heard you tell that story before." Like, where did that story come from? And then that'll trigger, you know, additional stories. Mm-hmm. And I love that about, you know, working mm-hmm. with someone, you know, and Terry just happens to be like one of my best friends too, right? And so I think that working with like your sister, your best friend, and someone who, you know, also has, you know, some of the same interests, or, you know, you're kind of in the same field of work. Uh, yeah. I, have you know, begged Terry to come and work at institutions where I've been at because I want her there. Uh, and I think obviously she's a very valuable asset to come the on, organization. Bestie. I know. Come with me. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and and that's I think part of the um, part of the really beautiful work around doing co-teaching or co-facilitation or co-anything is mm-hmm. that uh, stories uh, will ignite other stories, with, which will ignite other stories. Mm-hmm. And so I think that part of our quote-unquote organic process that we always talk about, we're like, oh, we're super organic. Uh, which I think that we are in many ways. I think the other piece of that is that we trust ourselves and that we trust that the stories that need to be told will be told. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, exam, you know, like that's it. We leave it there until the next time, you know. And, and so we try not to get too hung up on, you know, oh, we forgot to mention this or, oh, we forgot to mention that. 
um, there has been definitely times where we've been like, oh shit, you know, like we forgot to talk about that. Uh, and then recognizing that maybe it wasn't meant to be talked about. So, mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Now I have to come to one of your sessions. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you do. Come and tell some stories there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Storytelling. I, uh, Sometimes, you know, I've done a presentation or a talk and, and I'm an hour into it and, I, and I'm on the first slide because <laughs> the stories come, right? Yeah. And uh, I don't know if it's, if it's just getting older or, yeah, yeah but yeah. And, and my sense is that, that sometimes the agenda, we might, go, we might think we, you know, we've got this agenda all set, but, yeah. but then we, we get into the space and spirit speaks, and it's actually not our agenda. Mm -hmm. And exactly. so, um, mm -hmm. and sometimes I'll jump from story to story. It's like, you know, I didn't, I didn't plan to go this route, this path. And but then, then I often, you know, the feedback I get, or someone will come up and, yeah, or 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 you know, see a deep emotional response mm -hmm. uh, or responses, mm -hmm. and um, yeah. It's beautiful work. It's beautiful work. And so uh, how do you take care of yourselves? We go on trips. <laughs> <laughs> I think that uh, that's, that's a great question because I think that, you know, especially in this work that I'm doing now with around India residential schools and part of, you know, my project here for the next year is, is we're doing multiple searches um, to look for the graves of children and mm -hmm. we know that that's really heavy work. And I think that it's been, mm -hmm. it's really important for me to make sure that I'm taking care of myself. Um, and many years ago, I did a self-care plan and I wrote out a self-care plan for myself. And, you know, the number one thing was ceremony that I felt mm -hmm. um, that I maintain my connection to ceremony within um, our communities. And so going to those places of ceremony has been really important to me especially mm -hmm. when I feel like I'm just I'm stressed out or I'm I'm getting burnt out getting to that point um, I find mm -hmm. that you know that just brings me to um, to a place where I could feel some peace and love and as well as learning to slow down I think that you know part of this job was the hope that I would slow down a bit and uh, but definitely spending time with family and friends and and traveling and exploring and through COVID, I definitely connected way more to the land than I have before. And so being out um, has been really um, healing for me as well. Um, and again, just having really beautiful, healthy relationships around me. Um, I was very clear in, in, you know, many changes in my life that I needed to surround myself with with very healthy and supportive people, loving people, nurturing people, you know, family, and just making sure that I was creating this space for myself. Um, and mm -hmm. I have Amber, you know, who gets me. Uh, and, you know, we can call each other. And sometimes I've called her when I've been, you know, grieving, for instance, mm -hmm. and, you yeah. know, she answers and I'm not even speaking, I'm crying. And she just sits on the phone with me and mm -hmm. we just, share space together even if it's silent space yeah. and i think that that's beautiful that you know i have that ability to have those relationships in my life and i think that one of the other things is that many things that i've learned um around you know love as well is from my mother and oftentimes we don't because of our work we often talk and focus a lot on our fathers and we have very strong mothers amber and i like we have deadly strong beautiful kind and loving mothers. mothers and yeah. you know my mother has been my rock and somebody who has you know nurtured me and created space for me and you know I wonder now as a mother I'm like man she was so like patient she was so patient with me and I was like a little shit sometimes, <laughs> you know, getting into stuff when I was like a teenager in my early adulthood. And she just really gave me the space to learn. And, you know, and so I've been very fortunate to have, you know, someone like my mom always supporting me and, and other women, my aunties and my sister, my sisters in my life. So. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Amber, how do you take care of yourself? Katie. <laughs> Katie. <laughs> Katie is important. Crab dinner. <laughs> Tick TikTok. <laughs> Netflix and chill. <laughs> no, and, and and I'll I'll ditto uh, you know what Terry just said, and I also um, like it, it for real. Like there's something really amazing about doing and finding mindless things because I think that you know for folks like both of you, you you both know that like you have to be on like all the time, yeah. right? Like whether that's being a parent, whether that's you know you're at work. You know, whether that's eight, whatever it might be, like you're having to be on all the time. And so finding things that I can do that are mindless have been really life-saving for me too, where I don't have to be on all the time, where I actually can say, okay, Amber, like you're, it's okay. It's okay to slow down a second here. It's okay to like scroll on TikTok. I watch videos and... Oh, cats have been showing up, which is weird because I, I don't own cats, but... Um, <laughs> It's because I've been watching a, cats TikTok. If, if you like <laughs> well, or, if you like one or two, then it'll show you more cats. Well, and our al- algorithms must all be in line. But I, um, yeah. I was watching a. Th- I got so immersed in a three-minute video of a man making a, a Jordan shoe, like the Nike Jordan shoe. It made it from all from like he made it from scratch, and I was just immersed in this. And I'm watching yeah. it, and I'm like, oh, I can't. I could do that. I feel like I could. So TikTok yeah. creates this false idea that you can do things that you really can't do. But um, <laughs> well, you probably need the machines, like a surgery and that sort of thing. But you probably you and could I do don't it. have you that. You could do it. I could do it. I could do it. I mean, I could do anything. But uh, but there's definitely some some joys that I've had in again doing some really mindless things mm-hmm. and uh, and recognizing that I don't have to be on all the time. Um, I've had to let go a lot of. Um, the idea that in order for us to be considered valuable human beings, we have to be mass producing or we have to be producing all the time. And that's been really hard for me to let go of uh, because, you know, you talked earlier about, you know, how the, how the pandemic had impacted many of us and around our identities. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not doing this work, then who am I? And if I'm not doing this, then, you know, what's my purpose? And um, of course, I've always felt a grand purpose with my kids uh, and, you know, being their mother and being, you know, their, their, for a long time, their only parent, active parent. And so I think about how I've had to like do a lot of work around letting go of the idea that I have to be constantly really smart or I have to always be like, doing something that's really creative or something that's going to change the world and like realizing that my survival is literally going to change the world, you know, especially for my kids. Mm -hmm. And so I've had to like really unpack that too. And that's part of that, that what I was talking about earlier with um, really wanting to absorb some of that peace that my dad was experiencing as he was passing is that it's okay for me to be not producing something. And it's okay for me to not have to, uh, you know, provide, you know, something for, to be a consumer in that way or to, you know, feed into capitalism Mm -hmm. in that way. So um, I've really been thinking a lot about that and, um, and really thinking about like, how does that look, what does that actually look like in my life? And some of that is like, I have a nightly routine where I lay in bed and I watch my, and it's going to sound gross and I don't care. I don't care. I don't care if you don't like it, but I like watching blackhead removal videos. And I found some recently that have like common music in the background. And I'm like, well, you and 50 shit. million other people. It's like, those Holy are really, really popular. Changed my life. Changed my life, Raven. Changed my life. And so I'll lay there and I'll watch this and it literally makes me sleepy. And I, I love that. So Watching TikTok has, you know, how I take care of myself, along with many other things. <laughs> so we yeah. have five minutes. Just, I know. just giving up. <laughs> I'm like, so I can't believe. I feel like we just listeners started, and viewers. I just, I just feel like we started talking. Yeah. Well, and, and and this is the thing is we could have a conversation. We could have many many conversations Absolutely. for a long time, which is, um, yeah. you know, it's, for me, it's about just how intriguing the two of you are. 
So I do have two questions, and, and I guess your answers will have to be a little, little bit more brief. But I want to hear about um, what was the most fun trip you took together? I would say would be our Arizona trip that we did in April. Um, so I had two significant losses in the last mm-hmm. year as well. Um, and I was to go to Arizona in the fall with my friend Ashley, and she passed away in March. And when I was with her in her last days, Amber called me and she said, I'm going to book us a trip to Arizona and we're going to go. And we knew that Ashley was, you know, she was in her last, her last few days. And so Mm -hmm. I told Ashley, I said, guess what Amber did? And she said, what? And I said, she's taking me to Arizona. And she's like, oh my gosh, like that's, that's amazing. And I said, would you come with us? We're going next month and she said yes i'll be there and so we oh. took this beautiful trip that ashley and i and her mother were to go on um, and i got to do that with amber and we went to the grand canyon we ate we always eat so amber's me and amber's trip thing is we go and we eat <laughs> and we sleep <laughs> So if you ever travel with us, we're not like, you know, it's pretty chill, (laughs) but that was a very healing trip for me. And to be able to do that as Mm -hmm. I was also in, you know, processing um, Mm -hmm. that loss as well was really um, beautiful. That was definitely Mm -hmm. my favorite. What about Mm -hmm. you, Amber? Beautiful. Don't say, don't say Vegas. (laughs) (laughs) Let's not talk about Vegas uh, 15 years ago. (laughs) Story I want to tell. I mean, we've had so we've had so many trips, and and I think that again, um, you know, I I think about one trip specifically where we went to Hawaii and we went to go and present at a conference together, and this was many years ago, uh, and um, uh, we got to spend some time with uh, your brother Joel. Uh, Joel was there as well, and uh, and it was. It, I remember that trip because it was one of the, it was the second time I had been to Hawaii, and um, to be in a place where you know, as as a young person, you know, not thinking that that's ever a place that you would go to visit, you know, and that maybe not being part of your, um, it was so far off of a dream, you know, to visit Hawaii. And it was in a place, because it's quite expensive to travel to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Uh, but thinking about all of those things that I think the little girl, Amber, and the little girl, Terry, wanted to do, you know? And really, um, and I think that's why we do, like, a lot of, like, it has to have a pool. We have to have good food. You know, all of those things, because we really feed our, that those little girls inside of us that wanted to do these things or maybe saw other people doing these things. And we're like, wait a second. Now that we're adults and, you know, we have uh, the the privilege, you know, and the ability to do these things, we're going to do it and we're going to travel mm-hmm. and we're going to do it together. Mm-hmm. And we always have so much fun. Like, I swear, like me and Terry's like sense of humor, like we laugh at some of the most inappropriate <laughs> shit and we, we make so fun of each other. We, we have such, we, every time we come home from a trip, we have a quote that like explains the trip. <laughs> Like, do you know who the fuck I am? Like, do you know who the fuck I am? It's the name of this podcast. <clears throat> yeah. And there's so many, so many questions. I also want, wanted to ask you, like, you know, tell, tell us some juicy stories. Some funny oh. stories. Oh, that's a whole <laughs> other podcast, Raven. A whole don't, other podcast, Raven. Don't leave yeah. that for the last minute. <laughs> for the last minute. For the whole podcast. Yeah. We have lots of juicy stories. So, well, you know, so the so we didn't sort of have a name for this uh, this particular um, session, but you know what's come out is like like fathers and mothers and and grief and spirit mm-hmm. and doing the good work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just want to thank you both for doing that work. Two crees in a pod. Two crees in a pod. Two in a pod. Two in a pod. Hey. Natani means yeah. Let's go.
They push us to this point Frustrations of a common man Manifest the destiny Preaching Pledge the promised land I'm stuck between Taking my journey Live with no honor Like what's the use of my kids Can't taste clean water A child born into a world Revolution's not a choice Fighting to be heard So we make them hear our voice Remember ancestors Anguish lightning in our veins Hear it in a language When they are kissing for the rain I am product of people That persevere persecution Paint me so creator Sees me if I go out shooting Experience our pain When our women disappear daily Anxious to be angry, pacifists might hate me Trolls on the internet constantly trying to bait me We move in silence, cover of the night Learning from the woods, in the forest Tracking enemies in the woods Reincarnations of warriors riding for salvation Or are we false prophets when we submit to temptation? Colonization is a hell of a drug We all seem to go crazy when we fall in love I said colonization is a hell of a drug We all seem to go crazy when we fall in love I said Two Crees in a Pod.